This episode of the only podcast about movies was recorded off-site. Shahir and I are not in the same room, and therefore you might hear a few audio anomalies you're not used to. But don't worry, I'm just as much of a jackass, and he's just as smug as if we were staring longingly into each other's eyes like usual. With that in mind, enjoy the show. Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of me. I'm living on the air in Cincinnati, Cincinnati WKRP. What is up, Internet? Guys, I'm very excited about this podcast because it's zoo size. This is the only podcast about movies. My name is Matthew Kroll. And my name is Shahir Dad. You should try the cheesesteaks. You should try, no, you should try the chili, motherfucker. Do you uh, watch these movies? <laughs> this is the only podcast about <laughs> Can I do that again? Can I just do that again? Anomalisa. No, I don't want to do it again. We're doing it live, Shahir. (laughs) Anomalisa is the film this week. And the ironic part about this, dear listener, is Shahir wanted to do this film. I'm not a details-orientated person. I'm more of a broad picture kind of guy. In in fact, uh, well, we'll get to a little bit more later. But we did. We saw the broad picture. Yeah. Uh, and it was not a picture about broads, but up, up, sh- no, it is in fact, uh, a film by, who's it by Shahir? Charlie Kaufman. Um, are you a fan? I, well, what, you know, we've been doing, what's your Star Wars story? What's your Charlie Kaufman story? I mean, really just Eternal Sunshine and Malkovich, 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 oh. Malkovich, but that's really it. I don't know much else. Um, are you, you're a fan? Hmm. Yeah, no, those movies are great. Um, I, I appreciate the, uh, the, the sort of, uh, perfection and oddness i guess you could kind of say it's never it's something always seems slightly off but no one but it's so beautiful and cool that you don't mind yeah i mean uh, I, I yeah i agree and, and i think what's cool about him as well is is that he is a guy that can write oddness but with a certain degree of detail that makes sure. it seem lived in and real and even though it's kind of like odd and strange you kind of accept this world as it is right yeah um yeah. And, and then and then you know something that i think we see in uh anomalisa as well is that it's it's really touching you know he can kind of use that really broad abstract brush of his and make things human and touching like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is still to me one of the most romantic films i think i've ever seen um, I mean, from from a from a certain perspective, absolutely, yes. Yeah, and, and it's the same for me. Uh, being John Malkovich was one of those transformative films. Uh, again, saw it in college, film school, nineteen ninety nine. Uh, Could you imagine, yeah. dear listener, that that Shahir? Could that, you imagine him just fresh out of college, just just <laughs> learning to hate fun? Imagine the the funless Shahir you have now right. multiplied by ten. Oh uh, no! And not beaten down by life yet. Oh Jesus! <laughs> um, but be, being John Malkovich um, uh, changed my life uh, profoundly because it it made me appreciate. That film, you know, I think I saw it while I was in screenwriting class and I remember screenwriting was all about structure and order. And then along came this film, which which broke every single rule, not just about structure and order, but also about logic and reasoning and rationality and made something profoundly beautiful. Um, To me, the thing that's amazing about um, being John Malkovich is it feels like a science fiction movie that has a, a beautiful heart at at its core. You know, like the the ending of it is so profoundly sad mm-hmm. and uplifting and beautiful. So I, I'm a huge fan. Uh, wasn't as big a fan of Adaptation, for example. Uh, I, th- I, I don't even know if I saw Adaptation, to be honest. Uh, really? It's, it's an interesting watch. Um, and it's an interesting watch probably... After you've watched this film, uh, just to go back and see where his writing went. So yeah, he's become a director since then. Uh, his directorial debut was Synecdoche, New York, uh, which is a film- not to be confused with the actual town of Schenectady, New York. So here and I had an interesting conversation five minutes before this podcast, whether or not he was saying it wrong and it was the same place. <laughs> it's not, uh, <laughs> but yes, but it was the cause of much hilarity, a la Matt and Shahir, um, where. Uh, I kept on mispronouncing it, uh, but Synecdoche, New York, is a beautiful, beautiful film that is very difficult to watch. I admit, I I sat down to watch it, and it it really exhausted me, but it was oddly, but it was so compelling at the same time. I I couldn't put it down. Um, well, it's uh, a film. 
Well, the the interesting, well, it was one of those films I got on DVD and I I put it in at like one o'clock in the morning thinking, oh, I'm just going to see what the first five minutes of this movie is oh, like. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and You got time and, sucked, son. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was 3 a.m. and I was like, where have I been my, you know, like where, what have I been doing? Um, <laughs> what have I been doing with my life? Yeah. No, it was, it's so good. One of those, it, it's also one of those final performances from, it's, it's not the final performance from Philip Seymour Hoffman, but right. I think it's one of those performances that he will be remembered by um, such a stunning film uh, if if you're a fan of Charlie Kaufman if you like Anamalisa please go see Synecdoche Anamalisa Anamalisa which is in the zoo which is the sequel that Look, you didn't see I know see. he mentions a zoo twice <laughs> in the film and that's the quote I chose to lead this thing off with it's Anamalisa <laughs> like anomaly that's anomaly, the whole thing yeah, it's, it's the gimmick uh, it's anomaly mixed with Lisa uh, but I'm going to call it Anamalisa Lisa, because that's the type of guy I am. Because Shahir doesn't <laughs> respect movies. I Shahir only gives a fuck about what Shahir gives a fuck about. Oh, I'm gonna start calling you Qui Gon, son. <laughs> um, no, so let's kind of let's. We've been talking about it a little bit. Uh, something very interesting before we even get into the plot of this film is its style, and basically, it is a stop motion film uh, done. I don't know the actual materials they used. It's not. Is it a form of clay, or do you even know, Shahir? Do you have any I idea? I, I believe it's akin to the um, to what they use for the box trolls, which is that it's a synthetic material that's that's over a skeleton. Right. Um, so so over like a, a, a mechanical skeleton. So it's not claymation, which has, you know, claymation has that um, you can see the fingerprints on the faces kind of mm -hmm. th feel to it and changes every frame. These are actually puppets that are animated. Um, so it has this unusual texture to it. You can see the the kind of grain or uh, material on the faces of the and people. And it's really cool, like especially when they do their super close-ups of mouths and sort of things. Uh, it's just an interesting texture that you're not used to seeing on, I guess, puppets or claymation characters or animated things. Um, and it gave it sort of a feeling of its own. So you have this you have this fantastical look to it. Um, but normally, uh, and Shahir, you had said this before, but normally when using a medium like this, you do crazy shit. Yeah. You do Nightmare Before Christmas, or you do, you know, box trolls, or you do, you know, stuff yeah. that you can't do. Yeah, oh, or uh, the people. Fantastic Mr. Fox, for example. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this, uh, and we'll get into the full story of it in a minute, uh, it was basically the story of a man going to a conference in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and oh, he had stayed at a hotel. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Did you ever Sorry. watch the movie? Yeah, we're both bad. <laughs> uh, so it's a much more small sort of feeling, I mean, as far as the activity is concerned of what the characters do. But uh, it's it's a really interesting choice to use the medium that they did to tell this story. And actually, Shahir, do you have the synopsis? Yeah, I do. Um, so this is just the IMDb synopsis. Uh, Michael Stone, an author that specializes in customer service, is a man who is unable to interact deeply with other people. His low sensitivity to excitement and his lack of interest made him a man with a repetitive life on his own perspective. But when he went on a business trip, he met a stranger, an extraordinary stranger, which slowly became a cure for his negative view on life that will possibly change his mundane life. That is a terrible synopsis written by someone on IMDb. It My is. Apologies. My That's apologies. fucking awful. At first I was going to be like, oh, maybe there might be some spoilery shit. Nope. Mm. That just makes it sound like a day... Uh it must be Tuesday. The uh, the one-liner is, a man crippled by the mundanity of his exper life experiences something out of the ordinary. And... And <laughs> that that's interesting because look we're, we're we're pitching you a stop motion movie now about a guy in a hotel room, um, and and I don't know how you felt about it, Matt, but but the thing that that I really I, I dug about the film is this felt like this could be a play. Um, you know, this felt like this could be on stage as a as a you know two or three person play. Uh, yeah, it could, except for one hook, which we'll get into later, I think would be very difficult to pull off. And it's actually sort of a linchpin of how this movie works, but I don't want to talk about that quite yet. Yeah. Um, and, and I know what you mean as well, but I, but I, what I, I guess what I'm talking about is just the overall, the things that happen are pretty much one room, you know, like the, you could count, like there are four locations in this film, um, you know, like sure. a, a hotel bar, the hotel room, uh, a house, uh, and a cab. Um, so it, it felt like to me, like you could stage this as a play and, and I think it would be an interesting one. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not particularly, uh, a person who goes to a lot of plays, but I, I think this would strike me as, as something I would want to see. Um, so, so that's the, the basic synopsis of the film. Matt, do you want to give us your just general take before we get into spoilers? 
Yeah, uh, it, this is a film, I think, and, you know, not being middle-aged yet. Uh, oh, come on now. <laughs> uh, no, no, we're, we're what are we, like, two, a third or, like, no, two-fifths. We're two-fifths age? Is yeah. that a thing? I don't know. Uh, My quarter-life crisis. Yeah, but we're beyond that. Yeah. We're somewhere in the middle of half and quarter, so two-fifths. Um, no, I think it's something that, like, uh, a lot of people, I mean, you can relate to it almost in any form of your life, but I think the older you are, the more sort of real it is. Uh, it's just that sort of feeling that you're just, it, it, the, the, the film itself really struck a chord with me because it really sort of encapsulates the feeling of, the mundane and how you sort of go through your life and how everything's the same. And then something new hits you and it feels absolutely fantastic. And you're like, Oh my God, this is what, this is what my life is missing. And then you kind of realize that it's not like this actual special thing. Uh, it's just something different. And the way this film chooses to sort of go about telling that story, uh, it was, was very interesting. I can't say that, uh, any of the characters particularly grabbed me or I gravitated towards any of them, but I don't think that was really the point. I think it, the point was trying to tell you that like, you know, everyone feels like this from time to time. It's not just you. And, uh, it's not something, I mean, if there was a moral to this film and we'll get into sort of how it gets there, I would say the moral is like, stop whining. In a really weird sort of way. Yeah, uh, no. I know I'm being kind of vague, but again, that I mean, I uh, that's my take. I think it's good, and I think it's it, it'd be a good watch for anyone who's open to something a little different. Yeah, I I uh, I agree with you that it's it's really uh, about the mundane. You know, like as the synopsis said, it's about we we've repeated that word so many times now mundane. that we're all, we're almost robbing it of its of its uh, of what it can signify. Really, we're robbing <laughs> mundane of its importance. Well, because well, the one thing I would say is that this film begins and it it takes about twenty five minutes to actually get to a, another character, and the first twenty five minutes are really about a guy turning up in Cincinnati, getting in a cab, having like an annoying conversation with, with some dude, um, moving to a hotel, checking in a room, ordering room service, you know? And like, if you, if you told me that was the first 25 pages of your script, I would say you need to cut that 25 pages and get to the moment, the <laughs> right. first, you know, right. first conflict happened. But the thing that's interesting about those first 25 minutes is it is about, the mundane and and so when i say we're robbing the term mundane of its its comedy and it, and and its irony you know that's what this film is playing off which is that those scenes to me are surprisingly compelling given how much they're about nothing well um, i think the i think honestly i think the reason that that they were able to do that and the reason that they are compelling is the fact that it's done in an interesting way. And I'm not saying you can only make a compelling thing out of those 25 minutes you described with stop motion, mm -hmm. but I think that's a a, a, a a very smart way to do it. And also, like, you could do this movie live action, sure, but you'd have to think of some sort of visual catch to really sort of sell you because the, it's funny. The movie felt so mundane, uh, and actually might as well just sort of jump into sort of what, we're, what we were talking about, but like that conversation with the annoying cabbie when he gets, a guy lands in Cincinnati, Michael Stone does, and he gets in the cab and the cabbie starts having the conversation that if you've ever been in a cab from an airport that you've always had with every cab driver you've ever been Go in to the zoo. A car with? Go to the zoo. Try the chili. It's Go, great. Yeah, like, uh, but like very opinionated, like nice, but opinionated, won't stop talking when you just want them to be quiet. You've just had a nine hour flight or whatever. You're just trying to get to where you want to go. You're not looking for a single serving friend. And that might sound like a shitty person thing, but fuck it. That's me. Um, <laughs> and no, so like everything about that, getting to the hotel, having the person, uh, you know, just everyone being that fake friendly to you. You get up to your room, you order room service, you have nothing to do you think am i gonna go to the bar what's the deal you know you look around for old friends that might be in the town that you're in um just because you're so sort of bored with what's going on i've had all of those experiences before in my life and this captured the just dullery of yeah. that entire experience perfectly so that was something that through that sort of mundaneness in the beginning uh it really drew me in to sort of make me try to relate this or not even try it made this story relate to me more yeah and i think that's a testament to either his writing it's it's one of three things it's it's either his writing the direction 
or the fact that it's in stop motion. But I, I, I think given Charlie Kaufman's track record, uh, I think he is a good observer of human interaction. Like Everything felt real. Yeah, Everything it, felt like it could have been a conversation out of my life. And, and there are like little oddities. You know, he's good at like giving you little odd moments. So, for example, he, uh, the main character, Michael Stone, walks up to the hotel attendant oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and asks him to like, you know, uh, check him in. And the attendant just locks eyes with him and ref- and doesn't doesn't you know shift his gaze as he's typing in everything he wants and it's that- it was amazing it was so uncomfortable and at first you're like is this a mistake in the animation but you realize it's actually yeah like what it's supposed to do he's typing away at the computer looking for a better room for yeah. michael and uh he just like stares him down 10 the whole to time. 15 minutes of just staring him in the face not looking at the computer screen then he's like Oh, yep, we got it right here. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, ah. And then and then there's that, you know, this thing that I always find really awkward, which is a guy comes and helps you, you know, like the bus, bo- uh, the bellboy comes and helps you to your room. And you, you know, you have to have this conversation where essentially someone's just carrying your bag for you. And it's this awkward sort of like, so what are you doing in Cincinnati? Uh, how's your room? You know, like your room has this, this, and this. And it's like, I, I know this. I don't need this in my life. Please. You know, it's like getting a haircut. And then you sometimes. have to pay them to leave. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like when you're getting a haircut. You know, like you, you, the, this person is in your in your personal space, and you have to have a conversation with them. But you would prefer it if you didn't have to do that. Um, so, right. Well, I, actually, I, I, I want to. I like talking to the barber, but that's just. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I don't want to talk to. Yes, in the situation of the movie described. Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. So, so it, w- one thing that's startling about this, you know, like if it was a play as well, is that it is about the mundane. But it but it makes the mundane fascinating because of how well observed the mundane is in this scenario. Right. Yep. Um, and I think we'll get into spoilers in a second. That pays off towards the end of the film as well. Hundred um, percent. As as uh, Michael Stone slowly begins to unravel in more ways than one. But um, as a general, uh, should you go see this movie before we get into spoilers? I think absolutely you should go see this movie. I think it's visually striking. Be aware that it is about mundane, you know, about the mundane. It's about boring things. It's, it's sit in a hotel room. So it's essentially about commuting travelers. Um, but there is a beating heart to this film that is quite beautiful that, that, that happens around the midway point. Um, and, and, and w- w- I wouldn't put it in the ranks with um, uh, alongside being John Malkovich or uh, or no, uh, adaptation so. or any of those or Eternal Sunshine. Those are much grander visions of uh, of uh, of the human experience. This right. is a much much smaller intimate film. Um, so, but but I I I really enjoyed that, and then I had this thing which I was watching it kind of you know like half hearted half heartedly, um, and then at some moment though I, I I did laugh out loud, you know like I haven't laughed out loud in a movie for a long time, but I started you know like really get you know the more you kind of absorb this movie into your into your kind of personal psyche, the more I found compelled by it, and the more I was willing to just go wherever it was going. Um, so even if, even if that place is stop motion sex, stop, well, we've been there with team America. We're going to take a slightly more serious road with the yeah, well, We haven't had a serious, Oh, by the way, thank you for picking the stop motion sex movie for me to watch at my parents' house. Oh uh, boy. <laughs> Christmas with the crawls. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. No, you're welcome. Um, so before we get into spoilers, Yes, go see it. I I think this is a fascinating film to watch at the movies. I think there's a lot to talk about, but it is a small, very, very small, intimate movie. Um, if that's not mm-hmm. your thing, um, then maybe this isn't for you. But I I thought it was a welcome respite from uh, the bigger movies we've been talking about this year. And I also last thought about that before we just crack this whole thing open. I think uh, a lot of people would hear what we've said, and, and I, I think... Like a lot of people that think they'd be turned off by this movie that they wouldn't enjoy it would probably still enjoy it if they gave it a shot. I find, and this might be a judgment call on my part, but like I find a lot of people like whenever you say like, oh, it's a small film, it's a heady film, it's it's more emotional based, like blah blah blah. A lot of people kind of shy away from that shit, uh, and 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 rightfully so because there's been a whole bunch of trash, just like there's been a whole bunch of trash of other genres. But like I, I feel like when you say a film is small, sometimes it gets a bad rap. Uh, and I don't think that's the case in this or a lot of cases. I think if people just, uh, 
Give, give this one a go. This is actually, to be honest, I would say this is a phenomenal. If you're looking, if you're getting a little bored with the summer blockbuster or the typical, you know, every joke comedy given away in the trailer, this would be something that I would suggest to see just to test the waters, like dip your toe in something a little weird because uh, it's not offensive enough or whatever where you'll give up an hour and a half and you'll hate your life. It's just something different and you might open a door to something you like a lot better. That said, there is Puppet 6 and very (laughs) explicit Puppet 6. And uh, maybe you don't want to watch that with your parents on Christmas Eve. I don't know. This is, yeah, well, you know. I, I watched it, you know, it was, it happened. All right. So let's, uh, so, so moving, so our, our general consensus is please go see it. I think it's an interesting film. Let's uh, move on into spoilers starting now. Spoilers. Did you see the aliens coming? I didn't see them coming. Uh, well, it was when I heard that it was a dream within a mirage <laughs> Within a vision that really threw me off. And it was when Optimus Prime started speaking uh, about the uh, the Autobots uh, taking back over that I thought, whoa, this movie is really split my head open right now. No, no. But anyway, guys, moving on from our bad jokes. Oh, we're not going to uh, continue that? I had a whole thing about Cthulhu tap dancing. But no, uh, you can just end it when you want. <laughs> um, I, You know, I'm the buzzkill of the show, so let's get, let's uh, let's kill some buzzes. No, um, uh, spoilers from now on. But the, the thing that, that happens midway through, through those mundane conversations is we realize that Michael Stone has visited uh, Cincinnati before, and yes. he has a lot lover um whom he left abruptly possibly 10 years ago and he decides to, uh, yeah and we see that through she a corrects him just yeah. like i corrected shahir oh so you're my 10-year lover Matt. 11 <laughs> is it 11 years in the movie it is. I don't know how long we've known each other. <laughs> okay. Um, so <laughs> so he decides to call her back up and she comes over and we realize how much how much his departure has affected another person, which is interesting because the film is so insular and it's about his own his own uh, personal psychosis, right. you know, his own personal problems, that it's interesting to see how much he affects other people. Um, uh, and then... Also, you know, also, an important fact here, I think, and, and, and it's sort of interesting, uh, Michael Stone is a sort of very specific minor celebrity. Yeah, very uh, so minor. So everyone, as he's walking by, though, in this thing, and I don't know if any of you have ever been to conferences or Comic-Cons or, <laughs> or PAX or anything, but every every interest and business has a conference that people go to. Uh, and Michael Stone wrote a book about um, customer service efficiency and ways to do customer service that ups basically productivity. And apparently he's really good at it. Now, that sounds super boring because it <laughs> probably is. But to these people, everyone staying at this hotel for this conference to go hear him speak, he's kind of a big deal. I think that's important to sort of to, yeah, to yeah. set up. Although, admittedly, the first time that that happened when he was walking through the the lobby and people are saying Michael Stone, Michael, oh look, it's Michael Stone, it's Michael Stone. I kind of did wonder if that was just going on in his head because this film does an interesting thing with sound, which is that we hear conversations layered upon each other. The film actually opens yes. with like. Like maybe you hear 20, the entire airplane. Yeah, that he's twenty on. or thirty people having a conversation over each other. So I, th- I kind of wondered about whether that was part of his own narrative in his brain. You know, people noticing him. Yeah. And and turns out it's not. Well, there's an interesting. I mean, it could be. It could it be. Could, but it yeah. could be. There's an interesting thing that happens at the midway point after he. Um, he meets his former lover, um, and they have a, sm- a conversation at the bar, which doesn't go well. He gets a little drunk, ends up buying a Japanese sex doll for his for his uh, for his Let's son. Let's back up. Let's back <laughs> up. This is weird. Okay, I'm gonna get to you. This I'm gonna get here in the least amount of steps. <laughs> Michael Stone checks into the hotel. He's alone in his room. He calls his current wife and son to see how they're doing or whatever. You know, the typical calling home to check in call. The son only wants to know if he got him a present yet. He didn't. They have a nice conversation. They hang up. He gets bored, calls his old ex from probably, I imagined, before he was even married. Because when he calls her, he tells her, oh, yeah, I got a wife now and a kid. And she's like, oh, that's great. I don't. Mm -hmm. So they decide to go meet for a drink. That goes horribly wrong because he's just sort of doing that thing that, I mean, I've done it as an ex-boyfriend 
boyfriend back when I was single talking to exes that I've been with, like that whole, you know, fucking. It's, a, uh, it's, a, it's the premise of high fidelity where, you, where you're revisiting yeah. past lovers to see where you went wrong. To see what, what fucked up. Was it you? Was it them? Does it matter? Yeah. Uh, fun fact, doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but the but he does that. He fucks it up. She storms out. He goes, he's like, crap, I have to get my son a toy because uh, <laughs> I promised him I would. He actually asked the cab driver if there was a toy shop and the cab driver, the one supposed useful piece of information, he's like, yeah, it says one that's open 24 hours. He's like, okay. Turns out to be a sex toy shop. <laughs> Uh, and then he gets this instead because he has nowhere else to go for a toy. He's only in town for one day. Uh, he gets this antique Japanese sort of, um, I don't know, robot sex doll thing. Uh, it's kind of like I, it came out of the movie Hugo, you know, those, those, yes. uh, those robots and yep. Hugo. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so that's where we're at. Yeah. So so. Uh, and then something happens, uh, and the film kind of takes a break here because he's in the shower and he's looking himself in the mirror, and suddenly it's as though the stop motion starts falling apart somewhat. He's looking at himself in the His mirror. His face starts glitching. Glitching, yeah. And it's as though like the animators are suddenly like making a mess of it. And it sends him into the spiral where he starts running down a hallway and looking for a friend. Now, I'm not now for me, I was confused here. Yeah, I I was confused. And I kind of I I'm not sure if this is correct. And I don't know if it even matters if it's correct or not. But from the from the point at which that happened in the shower, I kind of took everything that happened from here on in as as a break in his in his in his in his psychological makeup, like everything that he was, that was happening from now on in was really just happening in his head. Or I wasn't sure if it was happening in his head and if it wasn't. Now, I think the film kind of wants you to make those, ask those questions because what does happen from here on it is slightly fantastical um, in that he runs down a hallway randomly knocking on doors, asking for a friend. I'm not exactly sure why he's doing that. Well, I, I have a theory to that. Um, okay. Basically, uh, you see, uh, I'm going to rewind just a little bit. So one of the art styles of this film, of the stop motion characters, is everyone's sort of split at the eyes, like just slightly. Uh, There's a bottom part of their face and a top part of their face. And imagine like a line crossing your face horizontally, like between your eyes. It's very minimal and it's a definite style choice. I wondered sort of why they did that. It it made them look like they were all wearing like wireframe glasses as well. Yeah, why are you wearing wearing that stupid man suit? Like that's what I felt. <laughs> um so during this glitch scene the lower half of his face he like pulls it off a little bit you're like what the and when he snaps it back on it's because he hears people in the hallway it's my thought that the group of people that he meets at the end of his running down the hallway looking for a friend is who he heard because he thought other people were coming or other people were around and then right. when he couldn't find them he was just banging on doors because he was kind of losing his mind yeah, I, I I thought it was much more internal than that, um, as in he he just, you know, had these voices in his head because I don't know why he was looking for a friend, you know, what that what that I meant. think that was just an excuse because he was banging on doors. Yeah, um, but he ends up having a conversation with possibly the two people we heard downstairs in the lobby saying, oh, my God, it's Michael Stone. It's Michael Stone. Right. And and it's these two kind of. Um, uh, customer service groupies, if you will, which is, which is, which is an oddity. Um, but they're there to hear him speak at the conference the next day. Um, and he he decides to go down to downstairs to have a drink at the bar with them. And uh, I forget the other girl's name, but one of the girls' names is Lisa, hence the title Anomalisa. You uh, said it right. Oh my God! Ten points for me. I win. Um, but uh, and you're Kermit. <laughs> yeah, I'm Kermit the Frog, winning the internet. Um, oh wow! <laughs> um, but then what? Ha- what follows is this beautiful. I-, I mean, I I found it really touching courtship with Lisa, one of the two girls, where he takes her back to her room after this conversation. You know, I- I'm abbreviating what happens, but he essentially falls in love with her at because of the sound of her voice well and, now let's let's stop here and talk about that for a second because well, yeah the, the, the voice, voice thing, thing i just wanted to get into that yeah was, so basically up until this point something we've left off of this entire thing is michael stone is voiced by an, an, an actor and i don't know uh the actor's da- name david doulas david doulas <laughs> um and everyone else men women children are all voiced by another dude that's yeah, the same Noonan. guy what was it 
uh, this uh, Tom Noonan, who is is an actor who's been around for a while, but I, I favoritely remember him as Francis Dollahide from Manhunter. He was the okay. Ar- yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so everyone else is voiced by them, and I was like, is this a choice? Like, before this, I was like, is this a choice? Like, are they doing this like an audiobook style? Like, I didn't quite understand why, and he meets Lisa, and Lisa is the first person with an actual different, this time, female voice. And that, I feel like, really, if there's one gem of this entire movie, it's how they manage to, through this sort of construct of, of the way they're telling their narrative, actually give you a tangible way to, if not feel it, at least comprehend the feeling that he feels about how special he feels this girl is. Yeah, it's and, and yeah, you're absolutely right because everyone else has the same voice, and it's, and Tom Noonan's got a lovely voice. It's sure. weird because he's playing uh, boys and girls. Um, so and, and and somehow his his voice manages to sound effeminate uh, when he's when he's speaking through the voice of of a female, and masculine when he's speaking through the voice of a male, and he doesn't change his intonation at all. I just thought he sounded like a dude. I don't know. <laughs> oh really? I I just I thought he sounded like a sort of a husky female it was it was it was really interesting but then uh lisa has a female voice and it's voiced by jennifer jason lee who uh we also saw in the hateful eight so she's uh mm-hmm. she's having an interesting year as well um but yeah like you said you really feel the transformation that that michael feels because her voice is so different he talks uh at length about how beautiful her voice is uh, and it is beautiful um she he even asked her to sing her a song and and what does she sing she sings uh cindy lopper's girls just want to have fun and it's uh, surprising because i was kind of like mesmerized by the way she sang it well i think the movie sets you up perfectly to get mesmerized i mean yes uh, she has a great voice there's no question and she doesn't sing she's just like built it out of the park like cindy lopper style but she mm. just sings it sort of like that quiet way you sing when you don't want a lot of people to hear you sing the way you would um, sing it in the shower uh no she hear <laughs> i sing it in the shower like uh belted it from the fucking rooftops well so, listen not every one of us is a karaoke champion like matthew Kroll is but hey, <laughs> hey four time four time well, in- international <laughs> international uh fun side story matt Kroll and i were once in were we in germany no we, we were, were in we? germany we were in frankfurt germany we were in frankfurt germany and matt Kroll belted out uh, the darkness. I believe in a th- no. You you belted out um, tenacious D. Fucker gently first. Yeah, and uh, the owner of the uh, the bar we were in, the person running the karaoke contest, was so taken by Mr. Kroll <laughs> that uh, we got a little uncomfortable for one, <laughs> and then yep. second uh, Kroll won the karaoke championship. Side and they note. bought us all drinks twice. Uh. They Look, bought the whole party drink. So that was the part that I was proud of. We get it. You're amazing at karaoke. No, You're no, no, an amazing that's the only sing- part. I don't want to talk about how the dude was hitting on me. I want to talk about how we got free alcohol. But I digress. <laughs> well, we digress. Jennifer Jason Lee delivers a really beautiful rendition of Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Um, yes. And it's lovely because Lisa's character is set up as as an adoring fangirl of Michael Stone. And she has this like self-effacing quality where she thinks she's ugly. She thinks she's not very intelligent. You know, she tells Michael that she read his book with a dictionary nearby. Um, and it's 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 incredibly endearing, but you immediately see the power dynamic that's happening that allows Michael to fall in love with her. What, you know, the, the film doesn't shy away from Michael's own narcissism, which I think is really, yeah, which is really interesting because you would expect, you know, like there's a moment where you, you're hoping that the film would have someone call out Michael for being a douche. Cause he is a douche to everybody. And you know, that's, he, well, it, well, mm. uh, he, well, he, no, okay. Mm-hmm. He's a douche. And I, the thing I was going to get to was I always have a problem. If, if you're trying to, and you're not trying to root for Michael. I don't think this movie's out for you to root for Michael. Um, but I do think that, uh, I always have a problem getting behind a protagonist that is like instantly a cheater. Yeah. Is that, if that makes any sort of sense. So, uh, the that sort of throws you off of the whole like oh my god he loves this girl already i was just like Neh. he's yeah. not a douche to everybody he's just you can see that he looks down upon everyone else yes yeah but but he's polite enough there's a difference i think uh, to a point which happens later there's a break that happens later on in the film sure, sure. uh where he breaks that facade um but but 
you, you know, like I would say, you know, again, coming from a writer's point of view, you might say, well, where's the character who's going to call him out for his nas, you know, for like him being a douche. But, but inherently the, the writing is so, is so subtly pointed, you know, like that allows you, it allows the audience to see that, um, you and know, you don't, and spoiler alert, no one calls him out for being a douche. No, yeah, and you don't need to because you, you as the, the audience kind of see it um, and you get it as this well. This isn't a movie about comeuppance. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just a lovely piece of writing. You know, like the, the character is so rich and the interactions are so rich that we see the power dynamic that's happening without anyone spelling it out. Right. Um, and, and at the same time, the, the, the courtship that happens between Michael and Lisa, I don't, I found it so lovely uh, yeah. and so, so kind of like pleasant and, and, and delightful to listen to. And by that, courtship, I, they meet the flirting drunkenly uh, hmm. and, and the hotel uh, room after the bar, then they get it on uh, stop motion style. Then uh, they wake up together and like have breakfast and stuff. Yeah, and and the thing that I single I, serving uh, courtship, single serving courtship. Yeah, it's 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 a, you know like again this could be a one night play, um, but the the courtship is so it's so lovely. You know, like just like little details. Like um, Lisa has a scar on the side of her face and and Michael asked to kiss it and 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 Lisa immediately goes you're not some kind of creepy uh fetishy guy are you and he says no and we know that that his reason we, we kind of understand his reason for wanting to kiss her and we understand her reason for being for for wanting to back away from him right, right. it's it's just it's played so well um and it feels so real um, and another thing I will say, especially like moments like that, those small but like really powerful moments with uh, that mm. you'd be used to like just a really strong physical actor pulling mm. off. It is a a marvelous technological feat to get the exact same emotions from these stop motion characters, like yeah. the way that their their faces move in super tiny ways that actually like really, uh, I mean, I felt every emotion I, w I feel like I would feel if these were actual people I was seeing. And yeah. I've, I've, you know, I don't know if that threshold, cause I've, I've gotten misty at cartoons before too. And who hasn't yeah. cried at a Pixar movie, but like there's something specifically, I don't know. I don't know if claymation or not claymation stop motion has ever gotten me in that way. And this one definitely did. I think stop motion has something over computer generated imagery, like, like the Pixar movies that we have, which is that they have this tactile physical human quality we see kind of uh weird m movements because of the anim you know because the animation has to be done by hand um yeah which, i notice little ticks in michael's hair like it just sort of flickers yeah. sometimes and i kind of like and then there but then they're like um and also you know i want to um just uh full disclaimer here the film was co-directed by charlie kaufman and duke johnson duke johnson is uh this is his first time directing a feature film and i think he was brought in more to handle the stop motion side of it um i i oddly knew who duke johnson was through uh a tv show he made years ago called moral rl um which was about a um it was these little 15 minute uh episodes about a, a christian child who who takes the teaching of the bible and christianity and and warps them completely and it has this sort of funny let's go pipe bomber an abortion clinic uh kind of um oh right uh, funny yeah yeah it's kind of funny and i i don't know why but I, I did i didn't love the show but uh he had a pit dog uh, that would uh, that would always say, I don't know, Gravy. And I always walked around saying, I don't know, Gravy, whenever I was about to do something stupid. Um, <laughs> so, so credit to Duke Johnson as well for the way the stop motion um, is at the same time alien to us because it's this alien heightened reality, but somehow they do a lot of work capturing emotions, you know, like the, the stop motion has a lot of detail where people are, you know, turning their heads ever so slightly, or they, they're really delivering human performances, uh, through stop right. motion, which is, which is extraordinary. It, it, so, it's yeah, it really works. So kudos to Duke Johnson for that. And kudos to Duke Johnson for having probably the most manly fucking <laughs> name on the planet. Duke Johnson. That dude should be playing in the NBA. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> Um, just on his name alone. 
Um, <laughs> so uh, no, I, it, it is lovely, and there was some, there are some really uncanny valley moments as well. Where um, I remember, I don't know about you, when you played uh, when I was a kid and I played Prince of Persia for the first time. Oh yeah, the, yeah. the little side scroller, very fluid. And, yeah, and, and people moved really fluidly. I was it, it kind of like it is quite striking just watching someone running. And there's a moment in this film where Lisa is walking towards Michael and she falls over, and Michael runs over to her. And it, yeah, that and, looks and, really good. Yeah, and it was this this of like real uncanny valley kind of moment because it felt so real and then you kind of realize that some of them, oh wait but these are still puppets um, you know it's interesting uh just from a gaming perspective that prince of persia totally made me feel like that that's made me feel like that a couple times uh but most mm. recently and i'm not saying this is good or bad but the new star wars game battlefront yeah uh again it's it's a little light on content but uh it's a shooter but when you see stormtroopers running at you over the ridge i don't know mm. what they did with the animation in that but like mm. it looks film accurate like it looks like people running across multi-layered terrain so mm. whenever something and you you're wowed by it, you're like oh that's not real like this had the same effect it was it, it always shocks me in a good way and i think i think what has that has to do with um, is you're not capturing the moment precisely, you know, the action precisely, but you're capturing the essence of the moment. You know, you're capturing sure. what's important in that moment. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think know, a lot of times that that can be luck or that can be skill. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's skill in this case because it's done so well throughout the film. Right. Um, and and I you know I can't think of a stop motion film which goes into so much detail. Um. Uh, as this does with like the expressions on the face. Um, it is really, really lovely. Um, and so, uh, Michael then has, um, you know, they, they have six and, and again, I think the, the six as even though it's puppet six is really <laughs> lovely, you know, like it's, 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 it's really, um, I will say it felt a little short. It does that movie six thing, which is that like, when they finally get to the six, it's only last like 30 seconds. And I think there was a funny study. I remember reading about the fact that movie six does a really bad job of, of, you know, describing the time. But again, Michael Stone <laughs> could be the kind of guy who only takes 30 seconds to, to, to Michael do what, Stone, <laughs> minute man, <laughs> minute man. But, but everything up until that point, I thought was really lovely. And, you know, like the film really takes the time to like show the awkwardness and then show the tenderness that happens between two people when they're, you know, having sex for the first time on a one night stand. She feels uncomfortable, um, but wants to open up to him. Um, and he wants to please her, but, but doesn't want to like, you know, go too far. And it's this, it's this sort of ginger, gingerly kind of tenderness that happens between these two, these two puppets. Um, and so it's nothing <laughs> like, nothing like team America. Yeah, team America. <laughs> Promise uh, me you'll never die. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that happens, uh, uh, and then uh, oh, we have then, sort of an yeah, elongated then, uh, dream sequence that you don't know is a dream sequence of Michael's. Basically, in this dream in the movie, he wakes up, and he's called to the manager of the hotel's office, and it's super <laughs> weird. Uh, I, I love this scene. I thought this was oh, hilarious. Great. Yeah, I, then, I like burst out laughing during this. Uh, basically, he starts dreaming. This is sort of, uh, I think, how he is his... Uh, how did you describe him? He's... Uh, his narcissism. Narcissism. Thank you. His narcissism yeah. sort of plays in here because the hotel manager's like, I see you spent a, an evening with Lisa last night or whatever. And mm -hmm. he's like, how do you know that? He's mm -hmm. like, I don't care if you have an affair, but you should have it with me. He's like, I love you, Michael. Mm -hmm. And like, he's like, just anyone but Lisa have an affair with anyone but Lisa. <laughs> and, and like all the, the desk girls and downstairs near the office say that they would let mm -hmm. him have sex with them and like all this shit. And he like escapes and he runs upstairs and he grabs her and he's like, we're the only two people. Like everyone else is someone else and then there's just you and me and like we have to get away from here like we're afraid and like all of a sudden they're banging at her door and they're like not lisa not lisa and then he wakes up it kind of reminds me of the malkovich malkovich moment it was very in, malkovich malkovich yeah you know like when when uh when malkovich goes into his own head and everyone's malkovich uh it has you know and it's it's again it's very it's what charlie kaufman is really good at which is that he's created a dream sequence that perfectly reflects the internal um psychology of the character and it's not you know it's not i mean i'm i'm writing a film right now with a dream sequence and and i feel like i'm writing a dream sequence just to have cool visuals um and this is i feel is it is cool visuals but it's also perfectly reflective of what's happening in the film sure uh, um so i i think it's great um 
Finally, uh, oh, then there's this this. I think this scene is fantastic. The turn. The turn, yeah. Where, uh, well, it's before the the turn. It's the breakfast. Um, the where, turn happens at breakfast. Well, I would argue the turn, the, the well, maybe I'm thinking of the break when, when Michael finally breaks down happens a little bit later on when he's- Oh, uh, no, no, no. When he's I, on the stage. The turn for me- the turn. There's two more moments in this movie. It's it's mm. Michael and Lisa having breakfast, and then Michael finally giving his speech. Yeah, uh, so, in that order. So when Michael and uh, Michael and Lisa are having breakfast, uh, he kind of makes these grand uh, gestures that he's going to leave his wife and they're going to run off together and they're going to have a life together and move to Los Angeles. And as he's doing it, he's watching her eat, and he suddenly he stops mid conversation. He's like, "Could you?" please stop chewing with your mouth open or could you please stop rubbing your fork against your teeth? It's really bugging me. And you suddenly realize again, how much of a narcissist this guy is. Not even a narcissist, just sort of like uh, anal retentive too. And just sort of like (laughs) this dude has a a way he likes things. And if it's not a hundred percent, then it's not good enough. And, and Lisa is, perfectly accommodating because she is still a fangirl at this point. And you realize, you know, again, everything that was lovely about the night before where you're kind of watching it thinking, oh, maybe this is what the film is about, suddenly turns on its head mm-hmm. and you realize, oh boy, th- ooh, this ca- this cannot be. <laughs> this, whatever is happening here needs to stop and these two need to go their separate ways. And as <laughs> these things sort of get called out by Michael, he starts hearing a mix of Lisa's voice mixed in with the generic voice of that other actor like uh, overlaid Newton, on yeah. top of each other yeah just yeah. so uh so you hear like double speak from both of them and you're like oh he's he's like the infatuation is fading like in the light of day with all of this like basically lisa is becoming an actual person and he fell in love with an ideal yeah oh it's uh, that that's a really great way to describe it um i and i i just kind of again you know like I was hooked. For some reason, I was hooked when he got drunk and w- walked into the toy store and bought the Japanese um, robot. But at this That's point, That's because I, you're a deviant, Shahir. I am a deviant. What can I say? Uh, I was into Puppet 6. Uh, you know, maybe I was hooked at Puppet 6. But but at this point, I am like, <laughs> I am going along with every scene of this film. Um, so after the scene we've just described happens, uh, uh, Michael has to deliver a speech uh, that he, you know, the, the customer service speech. And it's really interesting because he's trying to describe customer service in terms of every customer is a human being and we have to get past the idea that that they're a customer and we have to see them as a human being something that he this is, is at the in- convention by the way yeah. I, you just sort of said he went into his speech i just wanted this is a different scene yeah and at they're the at the convention and lisa's and, in the audience everyone's in the audience he's speaking. and you see that he is completely you know he's one of these guys that is completely incapable of doing the things he's talking about um and 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 all of a sudden the facade starts to break down and he 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 goes into a rant uh you know a semi-political rant about the the fame of American corporatism, um, which is... Yeah, can I say, I think, so he starts breaking down, he starts doing all these things, like calling himself out, telling the audience he's really lonely, telling him he hates his life and all that stuff, but he keeps going back into his speech. And, but like all that stuff about the personal stuff, I felt very um, good about. (laughs) The, the, The random political, uh, 20 seconds, like one of his tirades is about like, War crimes and and, and the the the, de- the deconstruction of American education, which is causing people to become sheep and you know. right. Uh, that actually, if I had to put a thing in the movie that threw me out and that I didn't like, and I'm mm. all about that message. Like mm. I'm, I agree with a lot of things that that character said at that point, but it felt so out of left field and kind of agenda E like, and by the way, also in this tiny small movie about interpersonal relationships and how nothing is ever good enough for certain human beings, by the way, here's a bunch of political garbage in 10, 15 seconds. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like I, I really, that was probably the, the, the major problem I had with it. And you know, she how I've said in the past when a movie is so close to being great that it then sort of just fucks up a little bit. It bothers me more than a yeah. movie that's average that fucks up a bunch. I I, uh, I can see that. I I actually didn't have a problem with it because I felt this is the kind of um, this is the kind of conspiracy theory 
thing that a character like him who believes he's smarter than everyone else believes in his private life and and like he's suddenly having such a break that he just he starts spelling out random things to make himself feel smarter than everybody else in the room maybe and, but and it, it comes it, off it comes off terribly like i don't think the film is invested in the agenda of what he's saying as much as it's invested in the the thinking behind why he would say that Maybe, but I think there's other ways to do it that are less sort of, not genre breaking, what's the, uh, topic breaking, kind of. Yeah. I don't know, it just didn't sit with me. And that's, again, it could be on me. No, no, I, I agree. Like, when I, when I watched it, I was like, whoa, is this film suddenly taking a, you know, like, a political turn and is becoming about... You know, like because because the film is, you know, the, this this idea of like customer service is is made fun of throughout the film. And I was kind of waiting for the moment that they would tie that back into his human experience, um, right. you know, and and suddenly the film kind of starts talking about the uh, the failure of American democracy. Um, but I, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that could tie into like corporatism and in in our, and you know, like the, the false happiness that customer service is supposed to project, um, which, which could tie into his, you know, like his problems of wanting happiness. But I don't, I really don't think the film is that invested in that as an agenda i feel I don't like th i don't think it is either i'm just saying it's <sighs> it's a choice that threw me it's like oh yeah by the way this we've been in these in like two rooms so far and then all of a sudden they bring that up and i'm like eh? okay. yeah it, but you know like again i i kind of liked it i uh i enjoyed um where it uh where it went um and and i i guess i kind of liked that the that the film was willing to, you know, like from a writing point of view, it was willing to take such a huge leap um, as well. And then come back and then and then from there on in, come back to such a human place. It didn't feel like a leap to me because it 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 it, it, it felt like a misstep, honestly, just because it was so out of like everything else felt like it fit perfectly in this neat little box that they had built, this neat, weird box, which which consisted of a ton of shit. Yeah, I, I don't know. Regardless, <laughs> uh, we're agreed. I disagree. I agree to disagree. But then, so then uh, we uh, we move. Uh, Michael flies back. Of course, he's never gonna hook up with Lisa or continue his relationship nope. with Lisa because that would be a bad idea for everyone, for anyone's part. Um, and and he goes back home with his Japanese sex doll, uh, sex <laughs> for robot. his son. For his son. His 16th century Japanese sex robot for his he, son. He, he walks in on a surprise party that's being thrown for him, which of course like sends, you know, reminds him of the problem he's having in his life, which is nothing, nothing is exciting to him anymore. He's life, annoyed at his surprise party with all of his friends. He is annoyed at his surprise party. And, and, um, but the, what I, you know, what I, again, this is a very small film because the film, you know, he basically despite you know still feeling the way he feels decides to stay with his family and sits back down um and uh you know uh, what's funny is again this made me laugh out loud but the japanese sex doll starts working and and like everyone's like saying what's coming out of its mouth it's semen isn't it i think it's semen i i don't think i've you know i burst out laughing which <laughs> i haven't in a while um i have a friend of mine yuko who i sent uh, the, the the sex doll starts singing a song and i asked yuko to translate the song for me uh it's nothing rude um it's basically a song called the peach boy about a little boy asking for a peach um and, and i thought it was actually girls just want to have fun but i was mistaken no yeah it's it's this peach song the if anyone looks it up it's called the peach boy uh thank you yuko for uh for translating that for me um but then the film just kind of fades away and we we see a final letter kind of similar to the letter that um that Michael sent his former lover, but that Lisa is now sending to Michael. No, saying, that, that Michael got from his former lover, the woman he meets, uh, the 11 yeah. year past one. She, she had his letter. She, I'm sorry. He had her letter to him from yeah. like 11 years ago with and, him. And now he's getting a, le a letter from Lisa. Yes. And the, the, the lovely thing about the letter from Lisa is Lisa's basically saying, uh, I'm happy that we had this time together. Um, you know, 
it, it made me, I, I, she doesn't so much say these words, but it made her feel beautiful for a moment. Yeah. And, 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 and it's, it's lovely. I don't think, I don't think it was just for the moment. I think that interaction, and it was so nice to see a film sort of take this, like the girls or whoever mm-hmm. is the rejected party in one of these movies, not devastated and need to crawl out and find someone else to make them whole again. Like this felt really good. And I'm glad they ended it in this way because it was just sort of nice to be like, yeah, like it was, it was a great experience. And even though not everything came true that we said would, or that you said it would like, it still made me feel special and was a time that I would, will will we'll we'll look back on fondly. Yeah. So, so it's like, unlike the previous encounter he'd had, uh, with the, the former lover at the beginning, whose name I can't remember and we can't remember and it's not on IMDb. Um, this is actually like a positive experience, even though he did cheat on his wife. Um, it was a positive experience for the, for Lisa. For her. Yeah. And I think that the, you know, like to, to me, I I don't know what it was about that ending, but it just, it put a smile on my face and because because it was a happy end. That's yeah. the weird part. Michael, this kind of scumbag, went back to his family and life that he hates for some reason because he doesn't seem like he can be happy with anything. And the girl who you think is going to be heartbroken by sort of meeting her idol and seeing how far he falls from from what she's imagined uh, is actually totally cool with it and accepts that people are people and can kind of see the beauty in almost any situation and roll with the punches and just be a, a better person. And I think that is is one of the film's major strengths is that it, it, it takes that road at the end. Well, she the, her character has such a strong arc because when we meet her, she's she is entirely submissive to Michael's whims and feeble. You know, you know, she feels and calls herself out for being stupid all the time or being dumb and not smart enough and not pretty enough. And, and this experience makes her f- get past all of that. And she feels like a better person. So it's, it's a lovely arc and she's not the main character, but it was a lovely point to finish the film. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so I, I, it's a very slight movie. It's a very small movie, but I loved it. I had such a uh, enjoyable time watching this movie, and it and to me the thing is as well, it's the movie is only like an hour and a half. Yeah, um, you're not and, even if it's not your cup of tea, uh, you're not going to waste a lot of time with it. So yeah, it, it doesn't ask a lot of you, and it it offers you so much. And it's uh, different. Go see something different. And well, this is coming from the dude. <laughs> who is obsessed with all things Marvel, like and mm-hmm. and sort of uh, some some not saying that all Marvel is cookie cutter, but you know it's just stuff that's it, it's present always. Just go, it, it just gives you a chance. It's again, like I said in the beginning of the show, it's a chance to go see something different without a large sort of like uh, cost of entry. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great, and and uh, you know, like just a a thing for me as well. I think uh, Charlie Kaufman to me is uh, the closest. There, there have. I, I'm a big fan of the 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 uh, genre of magical realism and writing, and it's and it's it's something that I've always been fascinated by, and and how to translate magical realism onto film, and not many films. You know, like like the the great writer in magical realism is Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and they've even tried to make movies of his work that have completely failed. Love in the Time of Cholera is one, but I think Charlie Kaufman is the guy that could that makes magical realism work on film, and this to me feels if you're into. Gabriel Garcia Marquez or, or magical realism. This to me feels like um, there was a book that Marquez wrote um, later in life called Memories of My Melancholy Whore, um, which is <laughs> it's 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 a very short book. Uh, it, it's like 90 pages, I think. And it's basically about uh, uh, an old newspaper editor who's like 90 years old who has an affair with a 20 year old prostitute. Um, it's a very small chamber spe- chamber piece, but it's it's lovely. And and this this to me felt akin to that. It gave me the same feeling uh, as when I read that book. Um, so, you know, if you're into that sort of work as well, if you, you know, if you like that kind of writing, I think Charlie Kaufman is the, is the, is the filmmaker for you. And this is just a lovely addition to that sort of work, but it is a very small film. I can't stress that enough. Yeah, small film and all those things Shahir said, absolutely true. Or if you're just a sick fuck that likes watching puppets do it, <laughs> uh, it's, it's I, got everything. It's got everything for everyone, all people. Uh, Takes uh, all kinds. Exactly, exactly. You can, you know, jerk off if you need to or can have a little cry if you need to. Or, so. you, can, or, or you can do both or you can have some goddamn self-control. 
<laughs> uh, put, put, your, put it away in the theater. Put it at least. away. Yeah. For once in your life. God damn it. But yeah, this has been the only podcast about Anomalisa. Uh, Shahir, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. You can see all my work. You can connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff there. Um, if you liked our review and want to talk to us about Anomalisa or anything else we've talked about this year, uh, hit us up on our Gmail at uh, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com, our Twitter account at onlymoviepod. We've been getting a lot of emails. Uh, yes, about as you st- learned last episode, uh, Shahir is a fan of any email that, that it agrees with him, that proves him right in certain ways. <laughs> what can I say? People are hearing me speak and my words are resonating. Hey, I'm not saying I'm getting a big hit or that we should I'm always probably right. Have, we should probably have a little bit of a fan war and see who's <laughs> right about stuff. So if you think Shahir Here's right. Writes in stuff about that. If you think I'm right about things that we argue about, (laughs) write in and tell me that because right now, uh, Shahir's been rubbing like two emails in my face for like a week. He's like texting me about them and shit. Uh, oh, I didn't. I I was just happy that we got emails, but the fact that they agreed with me it, about it Kylo Ren, uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, we talked about that already. You can find me at Matthew Kroll. That's M A T T H E W K R O L dot com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Skeletor, the number four P R E Z, uh, and on Twitter at Emperor M S K. And uh, yeah, so I guess the uh, the only way to really sort of end this, uh, I wish I had some action figures to sort of bang together. Uh, <laughs> to kind of I'm just that. gonna say, try the chili. Try the chili and and go to the zoo. You can do it in a day. It's only yeah. zoo sized. <laughs> there's a toy. There's a toy store right outside your hotel. Try the chili. Go to the zoo. There you go. All right, guys. We will see you next time. <laughs> this has um, been the only podcast about zoos, chili, and sex toys. Uh, bye. Bye. Got kind of tired of packing and unpacking. Town to town, up and down the dial. Maybe you and me were never meant to be. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm a WKRP in Cincinnati